you would, uh, take your Bible or open up your church app to Acts chapter 1, and we're going to begin in verse 1. Acts chapter 1, and beginning in verse 1. I had been on a series about healer, and I finished up that with that message uh, last Sunday. I'm going to be preaching a few messages that kind of get us focused towards uh, Easter and being a witness for the Lord because Easter is our greatest opportunity to invite people and encourage people and give them the opportunity to come to know Christ as their personal Savior. And so that's what we'll kind of be focusing on over the next few weeks. Acts chapter 1 and beginning in verse 1. This morning I want to preach on the subject uh, from uh, gazing to blazing. If there's ever a time that we need to be blazing on fire for the Lord, it's during the Easter season and going from what we see in the scriptures where the early apostles were kind of in a gaze or you might say a daze and the Lord wanted to go from this point of gazing to blazing. And there was a question that was asked by the angels that appeared to those apostles while they were just gazing or staring into the sky and that is why? Any of you that are parents that have raised children, how many of you have ever had your child ask you, after giving them instructions, they ask the question, why? Any of you? Okay. A few of you have had that happen to you too. And the why question is you give a child an instruction and they say, why? And you tell them the best you can tell them why and they'll say, why? And then you try to give them a little more and they say, Why? And that kind of starts getting on your nerves, and you finally say, because I said so. And then you walk away and just say, why? Why can't they just do what I tell them to do? Why? That's kind of the way that the Lord seems to be in these scriptures, and that is, why? Why can't they just do what I tell them to do? So we look in this Acts chapter 1, we see the apostles, they're in that gaze that the Lord wants to get them off the mountain and get them blazing for Him. We'll read this out of the New King James this morning, and beginning in verse 1 of Acts 1, it says, The former account I made, O Theophilus. And so this is the Luke, who is known as the Dr. Luke because of his medical training and practice, and he is writing some of the records. Uh, He not only wrote Luke, but he wrote the Acts of the Apostles or the Acts of the Lord. And so he's saying, the former account, based on what I had said, I'm going to pick up from there. O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taking up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put into his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had spoken these things while they watched, 
He was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they stood steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Pretty obvious that these two men in white apparel that just suddenly appeared were angels. In verse 11 it says, Who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Here the angels trying to get them kind of snapped out of this gaze or this daze and to get them off the mountain and get them blazing for the Lord and to be on fire for him. And while they're standing there just kind of in this gaze, you kind of, kind of wonder what's, what's going through their minds at this point. What are, what are they really thinking? Are they kind of just in a stunned state or are they really contemplating where they go from here? You know, as I look at these scriptures and begin to think about what does it take to go from gazing to blazing, I think the Bible tells us a few things. As a matter of fact, we're just reading this part in Acts chapter 1, but if we were to look through the next few chapters, we see that those disciples did go from a gaze to being blazing. Matter of fact, we'll see in Acts chapter 1 and those 11 apostles that are remaining after uh, Judas has uh, committed suicide by hanging himself. They join up with another in the upper room, making up about 120 of them, and they begin to pray. And if we look in Acts chapter 2, after they've prayed, the Bible tells us that they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and Peter began to preach to the crowd around there, and 3,000 people were saved. They're pretty on fire for the Lord, aren't they? Matter of fact, it's pretty obvious that the Lord's Spirit has filled them because if you read what Peter said there, you think, okay, that's about a 10-minute message and 3,000 people got saved. That's pretty awesome. He must have been fiery on fire for the Lord. And then we go on to Acts chapter 3 and we see Peter and John encounter a crippled man from his birth. And they tell him to rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. And he gets up. He's leaping and dancing and praising the Lord. Obviously, the power of God is moving. They're on fire for the Lord. And then if we go on to Acts chapter 4, it tells us that the men now have grown to 5,000 men alone that have accepted the Lord. So they definitely, we see in Acts chapter 1 verse 11, they were in a gaze. But we see by Acts chapter 4, they were blazing for the Lord. And there was that obvious part of it that it really all comes down to, and that was in Acts chapter 1, they were praying, weren't they? They were praying and God's Spirit filled them and just got them moving and motivated to do the work of the Lord and to see people's lives changed and transformed. But what does it take you and I today? What does it take for us to look at this and say, have I kind of got just in a spiritual gaze? Or am I really blazing on fire for the Lord? Would people, when they encounter me, do they ever say, man, he or she is really on fire for the Lord. Because that should be something that all of us desire, that people would feel like we are on fire for the Lord, that, that our lives are so evident that we have been with Jesus, which is true about those apostles. Matter of fact, uh, when Peter and John healed that crippled man and then they were arrested by the religious leaders who were jealous and concerned and they confronted him and when they confronted Peter and John, it says that they could tell that they were ignorant and unlearned men. They weren't very educated. They weren't very sharp. But they said this, but we can tell they've been with Jesus. You don't have to be the brightest and the best. 
But all you got to do is spend time with Jesus and God can take you and use you for his glory. What does it take today to get us from this spiritual gaze of, okay, I dress up and I get smelling good, looking good, and I go to church and I sing some songs, I listen to the preacher, but I'm really not on fire for the Lord. How do I get going from this kind of a spiritual gaze to a spiritual blaze on fire for the Lord? I think one of the things that has to be true is that we have to be or we must be conscious that the Lord is trying to get our attention. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 11, it says here that these men were gazing up into the heaven, and the angels confronted them. If we were to look up a little further in these uh, scriptures, we see in verse 9, now when he had spoken these things while they watched, the word watched there in the Greek language was the word blepo, which means to look with some focus. If you are looking for I can remember when I was a little kid and then after Christmas had come, I'd be looking for my grandmother to come to our house and bring some Christmas gifts, and so I would be watching for her. Blepo means to be really anxious looking. But when we get down to where it says gazing, why stand you gazing? It was a form of the word blepo again, which means to watch, but it added the E-M, emblepo. The word emblepo means you're just stunned. If you got anybody in your family that they kind of get so focused on something that they tune the rest of the world out and they don't hear a word that you're saying, and you feel like you got to drop a bomb in there to get their attention, we have one of those in our family, but I won't mention their name, but they, they can get so focused on something that you can be talking to them and they don't hear a word that you say. That's in blepo. These men were standing there and they watched Jesus ascend to heaven and now they're just in a, that daze to where they're just focused on that and they don't hear a thing. And then the angels kind of come along and say, hey, why stand you gate? Wake up, guys. God wants you to not only be standing here in amazement, but he wants you to get off of the mountain and start sharing with others what Christ has shared with you in your life. You see, the Lord had to get those apostles' attention. And for you and I to get from the point of just kind of being in a spiritual gaze, we're just kind of going through the motions, we look good, we smell good, we might even read our, our Life in the Word lesson, we listen to the preacher a little bit, but we're kind of in a gaze because we're not impacting somebody else's life. we got to get to a point that we are conscious that the Lord is trying to get our attention to get us motivated and moving to do something to impact people's lives. This uh, chart we got here is on our goal to invite 700 people towards our Easter services. We're just under 200 right now. Just three weeks away, we'll be here on Easter Sunday. And I'm praying with all my heart that we are fully read on this cross to know that God has got our attention and to know we're not just to be in a gaze and amazed at what God has done, but we need to be blazing and sharing with others the opportunity. And Easter is the greatest opportunity because it is an opportunity for you just to simply say, I would like to invite you to Easter services. Don't have to have a big plan, just make an invitation. For us to go from gazing to blazing, we've got to be a point that we are conscious that the Lord is trying to get our attention.
But we also got to be compelled by the Lord's command to be a witness. I want you to look at this uh, verse in 7 and 8 in Acts chapter 1. In these two verses, the Lord makes this statement. And he said to them, and then it's written in red, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put into his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The Lord makes it pretty clear there, doesn't he? That we are to be witnesses. And if we were to read that in the original writing, it's written in what's called the imperative, which means it is a command. The Lord is not just saying, I'd like for you to be a witness for me. I'm suggesting that you would be. Come on, guys, did you do something? He's saying, you are going to be a witness for me. It's a command. And with that command, I wonder sometimes if the Lord wasn't kind of implying If you know Christ is your personal Savior, you're either going to be a witness one way or another, a good witness or a bad witness. A good witness is one who people can tell you've been with Jesus and you're doing something to try to impact their life in some way if it's just inviting them to church. A bad witness is just one who just kind of goes through the motions but never really tries to be a witness to anybody's life. We shared the statistics that the uh, Georgia Baptist Convention uh, shared with us that only from what they have done through surveys and stuff that only two out of every hundred churchgoer ever actually invite somebody to church. That's sad, isn't it? Makes you think maybe we're just in a, a spiritual gaze instead of what we should be in a spiritual blaze. There's got to be something that is compelling us to be a witness. And when I share with others, whether it's just an invitation to church or tell them about Christ, it's not just because it's not because I just really like doing something like that. I really just prefer to be kind of a working person and really not a talking person. But I am compelled. You know, compelled means something is motivating me, something is pushing me to go beyond just that. To do something. And as I look to the scriptures and I see it's very clear the Lord's given a command to be a witness for him. And you notice there it doesn't say, and the preachers will be a witness. It didn't say that. Who who all noticed that? Raise your hand. A few of you. It didn't say that. The rest of you are scared to death to raise your hand, wasn't you? It didn't say that the preachers will be a witness. It didn't say the missionaries will be a witness. It says that you, that means all of us. And it wasn't just to those 11 apostles. You see, they they are not walking on the earth. Did y'all notice that? Anybody ran into any of the original 11 apostles lately? They're not walking on the earth anymore. They're not here being a witness. So guess what God's plan was? To carry it on from one generation to the next to the next. It's up to you and I. We need to be compelled by the Lord's command to be a witness. But also we must be convinced that the Lord can empower you and I to be a witness. We've got to be convinced. You know, the first thing that crosses somebody's mind, we talked about this in Life in the Word, about faith and uh, that faith makes our worship genuine. Faith steps is what we take day by day. And that when you take a step of faith, we talked about the fact that when you take one step of faith, the next day you got to take another step of faith. 
I shared on, I asked a question one one week, it might be this past Wednesday, that I asked a question of those who were here on Wednesday. I said, talking about how that uh, as Christians we should be on fire for the Lord. And I asked the question, how many of you think, or does anybody think that the preacher should be on fire? And Janelle Gregory sitting right up here. Say that the preacher should be on fire for the Lord. But it's not just for the preacher to be on fire for the Lord. It's all of us to be on fire for the Lord. Compelled by the Lord's command to be a witness. Convinced that the Lord can empower you to be a witness. All of us. It's not just the preacher, not just the music people, it's not just the teachers, not just the missionaries. But we got to be convinced. I want you to look at that verse 8 one more time. In verse 8, it says this statement. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. See, the Bible's telling us that God gives us His Spirit to live inside of us, to empower us. And I have to yield to that power day by day. Even though that I share with you uh, that I've invited over 50 people, and over the first 50 that... Of that first 50, about 25 of them had some type of church connection. And about another 15 or so that uh, really acknowledged they didn't go to church, didn't have really any church connection. And even though I've been doing that, and I can get in the routine in a day, and I just it's consciously on my mind, everybody I'm talking to, I'm giving them a card, inviting them to church, inviting them to Easter service. I go to sleep, I get up the next day, and I'm out seeing somebody, and then there's suddenly this feeling like, ugh. What if they're not interested? And then I think, you just invited 45 people and all of them said thank you. Why are you thinking this? It's another day and another step of faith. It's another day of letting God's Spirit work inside of me to use me for His glory. And we've got to be convinced that God can empower each one of us. I don't care if you're the shyest person or you're the most outgoing person. It's not about you and I and what we naturally are, but it's about allowing God and being convinced that God's power can work inside of us to use us some way to be a witness to somebody else's life. We also got to be concerned for the needs of other people, other people that need the Lord. In uh, Luke, all right, Acts chapter 3 and verses 1 through 6, I want to read this to you right quick. This is when... Peter and John encounter the man at the temple as they're going or on the gates to enter the temple. And in verses 1 through 6 says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms or a donation from them. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention and expecting to receive something from them. And then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. He looks at this man who's crippled and he said, I don't, I don't have any money. But notice what he did say. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. They were concerned for others that needed the Lord. For you and I to go from gazing to blazing, we must be concerned for others that need the Lord too. And that is that we are conscientiously aware that when a person's life 
ends, they're gonna, their soul, which is the true being inside of them, when you and I look at somebody and, and maybe they're our friend or maybe they're a loved one of ours and, and we love their personality, that's their soul. That's what's inside of them. The physical body is just what houses the soul. And the Bible tells us that that soul goes on to one of two places, either heaven or hell. So when you and I go to a funeral home and we see a body that lays there that we recognize as somebody that we knew, that we loved, that we liked hanging out with, that physical body is where the soul was, but the soul's not there anymore. The personality of the person that we love, that soul has immediately gone to one of two places, either heaven or hell. Are we conscientious and concerned about people enough to know that we can laugh with them today and we can be having a great time with them and thinking, man, they're just a great person. But if they die after we walk away, it's heaven or hell. I was asked to pray for a family that had been in a car wreck. And as I found out more information, I found that they were hit by a 19-year-old that was driving too fast and crossed over the lane and hit them head on. And the 19-year-old... His life ended. The others were older. and you, We always think of older people that are going to die first. But 19-year-old, he probably, while he was driving his car, just getting it down the road, he wasn't thinking, today is my last day on earth. We don't have any warning. We don't know when it's going to happen. I've done many funerals, and when I walk through the graveyard and look at tombs, I've seen them from dates of just infants to those who have made it almost to a century old and all in between. We never know when it's going to happen. But are we concerned enough that the people that we laugh with, that we hang out with, are we concerned about their need of the Lord in their life? They can have, it seems like the, they can have the best jobs and they can have lots of material possessions, but if they don't have the Lord, they don't have nothing. Because the greatest need in their life is Jesus Christ. And then I give you the last thing that takes us from gazing to blazing. And that is we must be convicted to do something bold now. We can go out of this service and think, okay, yeah, that's, that's pretty good stuff. It's pretty convincing. But we've got to be convicted to do something bold now. I want to read to you in Acts chapter 4 and verses 8 through 13. After Peter and John have been arrested for healing this man. And after they have healed this man, they, and they've been arrested, they've been interrogated by the religious leaders and so forth, and they've been told not to do anything, and they've been questioned why and what power they had. And the Bible tells us in Acts 4, 8, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. Finally got the boldness to do something, didn't they? And you know what? about time we got bold and did something for the Lord too. I want to ask you to join me in prayer and while the musicians to come, is it time for us to just get out of this spiritual gaze, going through the motions and go from gazing to blazing? 
There is no doubt in my mind that no matter what your age is, no matter what your background is, God can use you in some way to touch somebody's life. Even if it's just as simple as a little skit where Logan gave a waitress an invitation to Easter Sunday. Sometimes I fear so much that we've kind of got into a spiritual gaze, going through the motions and not really impacting somebody's life. Is it time today for you and I to get out of our seats and go from gazing to blazing on fire for the Lord? And you know what? A fire starts with just a little spark. It may be that today that you don't walk out just hooping and hollering and telling everybody about Jesus, but maybe you just go out and say, you know what? I'm going to start doing something. Even if it's just the first step of faith, it's just laying an invitation down at a restaurant that goes to me asking, do you go to church anywhere? Step by step, steps of faith, Show how genuine we really are. Those apostles were just in a gaze, in a daze. And the angels asked, why? Maybe the Lord is asking the question, why? Just like his parents to a child, why? Why don't they just do what I tell them to do? Why? This morning, would you take it as a personal challenge to your life? To start praying and say, Lord, I don't want to be in a spiritual gaze or daze. I want to be in a blaze for you. Whatever days or years I've got left on this earth, I want people to know that I have been with Jesus. Lord, I just pray this morning that you would grab our hearts. And it may even be right now in this time of prayer that there are some that just need to go ahead and step out of their pew and come kneel at the altar and say, Lord, I'm just praying right now. God, that people will be able to see that I have been with Jesus. If they can see something different in me. And Lord, not only will they see it in me, but Lord, I'm going to take a step of faith to make some type of touch in their life. Some type of impact. Would you just yield yourself to the Lord, whether it's in the pew where you're at or whether you feel compelled to come and kneel at the altar? Would you just begin by praying those early apostles were there in the upper room and there was 120 of them all gathered together and they just began to pray and to pray and pray. And because of their prayers, God filled them with His Spirit and He set them on fire. Would you begin that process even right now this morning and just begin to pray? And see if God won't set a fire in your life that you just cannot contain. Lord, I'm the pastor of this church. And Lord, just as I jokingly cut up with Janelle, people look to me that I should be on fire for the Lord. And I pray, God, that I would be an example. Not only by the things that I say from the pulpit, but from the life I live outside of this church. And from the witness I give because, Lord, I am compelled by the words that you spoke as a command that we will be witnesses for you. And, Lord, when I was studying the wording of that statement that you said, that in the original writing, it was like you will be a witness 
just like I was. Not being just a witness of Jesus, but to be a witness just like Jesus was. That compels me even more. That I can't just be complacent and I can't just kind of go through some routine. I've got to be like you. And you touched everybody you came in contact with. God, help me to be that kind of witness. In your name I pray.